available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions, talking Pac-12 football. Our great Podcast of Champions power rankings are a mess this week. We're just going to tell you right off the bat, but we'll we'll break it all down for you. Uh, Dave and I got it all. We spent mi- hours in meeting rooms trying to figure out what the power rankings were, but we finally came out with it. It's just kind of it's kind of like the the March Madness selection committee, Dave. It's just it takes a long time to kind of get it right. It's like selecting a pope. We we've, yeah. we've displayed the white smoke. <laughs> we ha- we have our pick. Uh, I know it's going to come as a shock to people, but uh, our number one team was obvious, and our uh, two through twelve was. Uh, uh, a cluster mess. Yes. Just a mess. I just thought we should just tie everybody at 12. Like just not even tied at two. They should be tied at 12 because everyone I looks like this. Yeah. No one is good. There's one good team and then everyone else is bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't expect that going into the season, but you know, everyone thought, you know, maybe it's a year early for Washington, but certainly they've become the class of the conference. Uh, we'll, so we'll see what's going on with that. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can tweet us at PAC 12 podcast is our Twitter handle. Our website is pack12podcast.com. A lot of contact information there. You can email us, pack12podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, 641-715-3900, extension 734-972. So a lot of different ways to get a hold of us, Dave. And um, it's it's weird when you take a look back, a step back at the Pac-12. People were writing off, you know, the Pac-12 for sure. Washington's the the beacon of hope now to to make it to the college football playoff. Only two teams ranked in the AP, uh, Washington and, and Utah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, and I, you know, I I think this was kind of. I mean, people were expecting Washington to be good, but I don't know that they were expecting the drop off from so many other teams. I mean, Oregon and Stanford both look, but um, <laughs> and the, the the South in general. I mean, just. Utah's probably the standard bearer in a certain respect, but they're down to like their ninth string running back. Um, there's just, it's a, it's, it's tough to, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, there's no way we could have predicted this at the beginning of the year. There's just no way. Um, and now it, it definitely does look like all of the hopes for a Pac 12 playoff team rest on the Huskies. Yeah. And if you're like a, uh, you know, a senior or a junior, I mean, a junior quarterback at Eastern Washington, you're graduating early and you're thinking about transferring over to Oregon. Like, well, you have more wins in the Pac-12 at Eastern Washington than Oregon does right now. So, I mean, you might as well just stay where you are. Um, I mean, Boise State would be first place in the Pac-12. <laughs> They're undefeated in the Pac-12. I mean, how crazy is that? It's, it's a mess right now. It is a complete and utter mess. And, uh, you know, like it, we were trying to sit, I mean, we'll, we'll get to this in a little bit, but trying to figure out who the second best team is in the league. There's an argument for like five different teams, but not that any of them are like, oh yeah, they're the second best team, but just like 
there's no one to seize that. There is there is just no one who is good in the Pac-12. No. After all. Uh, yeah, there is not. It's um, it's a little crazy, but you know, we're doing this because we love Pac-12 football. Would rather have seen you know the Washington states of the world win their out of conference games and then lose in conference games than the the opposite because then you just make the conference look terrible when you lose to Eastern Washington and Boise State and then you beat everybody else in the Pac-12, which, you know, transitive property, that means Eastern Washington beat everybody else in the Pac-12. Yeah, not not ideal. It's, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if we can blame Larry Scott for this, but I guess we could. Um, What do you think? Yeah, I think we blame Larry Scott for pretty much everything. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. You know, one thing is funny. uh, If you look at the, the game officiating, there's still a lot of complaints and stuff on Twitter but it's, I think it's just more bad calls than too many calls. It seems like, and I don't know, maybe, you know, disagree if you want. It seems like there's fewer flags maybe being thrown. So maybe they've tried to improve that aspect. Not that they're always right. And there's a lot of ones that are missed and stuff. But it seems to me, Dave, that they've maybe like cut back a little bit on the, you know, pure number of flags that they used to be throwing. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and, you know, I think UCLA fans would love to point to it being like better discipline, but I just, I do think there are fewer flags being thrown. Not seeing anywhere near as much holding as we've seen in years past. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the biggest areas where they've cut back on their flag throwing, which is great. It makes the games much more watchable. Um, and I wish it had coincided with a year where the Pac 12 was better. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you know, Chris Peterson certainly turned things around at Washington. Um, We'll kind of follow their progress throughout the year and see how we go. So I guess um, we should start, and uh, I, th- I think we this is how we do it. We're going to do our Pac-12 Roundup. That was loud. Um, so Pac-12 Roundup. Uh, and we're going to do, so the way we've we structured this, what uh, I, the way we're structured this starting last week is we're going to recap all the games kind of in the order they were played, and then we'll go into the second phase and reveal our... Um, power rankings and go kind of reverse order and preview in the games that way. That sound good, Dave? That sounds magical, Ryan. Magical. So, All right. So what was the first game then? Was first, that Colorado-USC? Yeah. So this was the 1 o'clock game. Most of the games were played all exactly at the same time later in the evening. Uh, but for me personally, when I got to go cover USC-Colorado, I got to go home and watch you know as many games as I could, like bounce it back between... Uh, Devices and stuff. But yeah, the first one up, no Friday game, no Thursday game. It was uh, USC and Colorado. So USC beat Colorado 21-17. This was a really critical game for me, um, just as a human, because Mike McIntyre, God love him, at the end of this game, kicked a field goal in a pretty meaningless moment. And then Juju Smith, love him, (laughs) fell down on his way into the end zone on purpose so that the clock would bleed out, giving me the, the win here. Yeah. Um, and this was a game where we picked differently. I had Colorado plus four and a half. You had USC minus four and a half and USC one by four. So <laughs> I, I took, I took down the win here. Um, but enough about that. Uh, this was, this was a really interesting game because if you look at the final score, it looks like really scrappy game. Great, you know, great effort from Colorado. Um, and, you know, just lost it at the end, but. Honestly, USC kind of dominated this game. You know, watching it live, it should not have been this close. Um, USC should have been able to put up a lot more points on Colorado. The fact that they were only up 14 nothing at half, I thought was 
not a disaster for them, but I thought that was a big issue um, that they couldn't generate more points because they went over 500 yards of offense. Um, they they should have been able to put up 35 in this game. Instead, it was 21. Allowed Colorado to hang in it, and you got to give Colorado credit. They were able to pour it on in the second half and make a game of it. But um, USC should have had this one in the first half, and they didn't. It was it was kind of a, a strange game to watch. Yeah, it definitely was. And, uh, I mean, you have Sam Darnold who turned the ball over three times. Uh, he fumbled three times. Two of them he lost. One of them he picked up, ran to the short side of the sideline being chased, turns around and does a, a U-turn and then finds Tyler Petit for a touchdown. So he's just kind of a dude that just goes out and improvises and make plays. Now he was going to score a touchdown. He, I think it was like a 15 yard run. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, at the one, he ends up getting the ball popped out and, and Colorado recovers. So that's like a huge, I mean, that's about the biggest, when you turn the ball over going into the end zone, that's about as big a swing as you can get. Um, but you're right. USC should have won by a lot more. Um, it kind of played out the way I thought it was going to be, but I just thought that USC would end up, you know, winning way more. I didn't expect Mike McIntyre to kick a, a meaningless field goal. And I certainly didn't expect Juju Smith Schuster, who loves celebrating the end zone, doing weird, you know, dabs and all that kind of stuff running free to the end zone and decides to slide down and everyone in Vegas throwing up their hands and ripping up tickets and going, I can't believe this is happening. Um, yeah, I was in the press box. I wanted to punch somebody, but you know, you can't do that. There's all these rules, Dave, but I, I was like, damn it, Dave, you like there's, that's about as like a backdoor as you can get. There's no way USC shouldn't have covered that spread. It was so great. It was just <laughs> wonderful. Amazing to watch. Um, yeah, it was, and you know, I, I thought they they got unlucky with their fumbles. You know, they fumbled four times, lost three of them, um, and that's you know usually you can expect to lose about fifty percent of the times you fumble. Um, so that was uh, not so great. Darnold also had a bad pick um, in this one. He had yeah. a really shaky. Um, I think it was the start of the third quarter, just like the beginning part of the third quarter. He he just looked shakier. Um, but then he settled down towards the end of the game um, and he put together. I mean, it's a nice stat line at the end of the day. I mean, he almost averaged 10 yards per attempt, which is kind of that magical number that quarterbacks are looking for. Um, on the Colorado side, Sefa Lufau was healthy for this one, but they played Steven Montez and Montez probably had his shakiest game um, so far this year. Uh, just didn't quite look um, as good as he did against Oregon State or against Oregon. Um, but Still fairly solid. I, I, I think, you know, it would have been justifiable for Colorado to go with Cepho late here. But um, as it was, I, you know, Colorado was kind of lucky to be in the game at the end. Um, but I, it's still a, a decent showing for Colorado. I just think they were kind of outclassed talent wise. And I don't know that they had the best offensive scheme for attacking USC. They were doing a lot of lateral stuff, a lot of, you know, running parallel to the line of scrimmage. And I don't know that Colorado has the athletes to be doing that against a fast USC defense. So I thought that was maybe a little bit questionable for the buffs. Yeah, I watched Lufau warming up, and I was tweeting about it. And I'm like, hey, he looks healthy. I don't see any extra wrap. They were wearing these. I love their uniforms, the gray and white. But they had these uh, kind of white leggings things on and the sock, white socks. So you couldn't really tell. It, it was kind of masked if he was wearing any kind of extra tape or anything. Uh, but Montez went down for a series or two and, uh, and Lufau came in, but then they put him back, you know, so I, it looked like kind of a healthy scratch sort of thing. They just decided to go, uh, with Montez and he was certainly uncomfortable. I, I just haven't seen him looking that uncomfortable. The pass rush was getting after him. 
I mean, Colorado was averaging, you know, over 530 yards a game. They were held to 371 in this one. And they really had a couple big plays where how that's how that, you know, like a trick play, um, you know, big run. And, and, but for the most part, they just weren't moving the ball. It was a couple like, you know, opportune moments where they were able to do something. And that, that was kind of about it. So, uh, I don't know if Lufau would have done any better, but it, Montez did look a little, just a little shaky in the pocket because there was a lot of pressure. They did, you know, USC the last couple of weeks has been bringing a lot more and, you know, it affected, uh, Manny Wilkins a week before and it certainly affected Steven Montez this past weekend. For sure. Can we move on to the next game? Yeah, let's move on. So we have, uh, the next one. This was a, a I mean, nail biter, uh, Washington, uh, taking on Oregon, who, you know, as you know, it was been 13 years since Washington won a game in this one. So I don't know what, what happened, Dave. I didn't get to catch this one. I'm sure it was close. <laughs> so I've been following a lot of the coverage of this game, and I don't think there's been enough made of the fact that Washington beat Oregon by seven touchdowns. <laughs> they beat them by 49 points on the road in Autzen. And I, I, I get that this is a not just not good Oregon team, but a bad Oregon team. But to go from, like, a streak of, what was it, 12 straight years, something like that, for Oregon? 12, yeah. To beating them by seven touchdowns on the road, I mean, that's incredible. Um, this was, I watched probably an uncomfortable amount of this game because, again, I'm a sick person who likes blowouts. Um, <laughs> Washington was just, I mean, unstoppable. They had uh, basically anything they wanted it through the air. Um, Jake Browning again threw over that magical number. He had 11, almost, almost 11 yards per pass attempt and six touchdowns. Um, running the ball, they averaged as a team eight and a half yards per carry. Uh, Miles Gaskin had over 12 yards per carry. Levon Coleman had 10 yards per carry. Um, this was just an all purpose beatdown. Oregon's offense couldn't do anything. Their vaunted rushing attack was fine. But it needed to be spectacular in this one, and it wasn't. Uh, Justin Herbert, their true freshman uh, quarterback, actually looked okay. But I mean, just this—this this was not a game where he had any hope of of leading them to victory. Um, this was this was uncomfortable. I mean, it was it was this was just such a big difference between these two teams at this point. I think they could put, could have played this game ten times, and I'm not sure the deficit ever would have been closer than like 28 points. Yeah, we got this one, uh, very much right. I mean, you just looked at this and we, we said, well, name, you know, I think I said it was like nine and a half point spread. And I was like, oh, 99 points. Okay. That we could do that. I mean, they could have, Washington could have won by 99 if they wanted to. You got the feeling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was, this was, this was an aggressive beatdown. Um, so yeah. So Oregon, uh, does, uh, winless right now in the Pac 12. I don't, I did not expect that. Uh, I think I picked them in the the Pac-12 media poll to finish second to to uh, Stanford and then Washington third. Obviously, that's not the case. I didn't expect Oregon to be this bad, Dave. Um, and you talk about coaches on the hot seat. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Mark Helfrich here and what you know. This is a it's a this is a tough spot because you keep you want to keep that kind of continuity going and, and Oregon's been doing that with coaches for a long time um, but I, I don't know I'm not seeing a lot of wins in the Pac-12 right now the way they're playing 
Uh, and the quarterback situation, you know, it worked out okay last year with Vernon Adams. It doesn't seem to be working with Dakota Prukop. Um, so yeah. now midway through the season, you're going to one of your recruited quarterbacks, a local kid. You know, if you started him from the beginning, who knows? But that's going to take him a while to kind of get things rolling. Like, I agree. It seemed like he looked okay. Um, this is a, a tough spot. And you're talking about a coach that, you know, took the team to a national championship game and was in the playoff and everything. I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, it's it's uh, looking real rough up there in Eugene. Yeah, I don't I I don't see more than you know maybe two wins left on the schedule. Um, they go at Cal, and right now, I mean, that's after a bye week. I I don't I don't see them winning that game. I think Cal's going to tear up this defense. ASU, I could see that being a win at home. Um, at USC, the way you know Sam Darnold's playing, the way that team is playing, I don't see that as a win for Oregon. Stanford at home, I could maybe t- you could maybe talk me into. And then at Utah, at Oregon State, I think they have a chance against Oregon State. But so maybe if if all goes well, they go three and three down the stretch and finish five and seven. That's if all goes well. Yeah, right. That's that's aggressive. I think. I mean, play. Oregon State's tough at home. We saw them this. Last, we'll talk about that next. Um, I mean, that's. I think five and seven would be a, a good finish for Oregon, which that's that's not good. Yeah, I think bowl eligibility is pretty much not necessarily out the window, but it's close. Uh, this is this is disaster scenario for for Oregon. So, um, yeah, not good. And uh, Washington's really good. Very, very, very good team. They. <laughs> They definitely are good. And, you know, and this is the Pac-12. It's crazy. We look at a team look like garbage one week and play well the next week. So, obviously, there's there's opportunities here. But the way Oregon's going, they've been one of the more consistent teams, which isn't good. You know, we've seen Cal play great and shitty. And we've seen, you know, Oregon State do that, you know, from week to week. We haven't seen that really from Oregon. We've only seen the, the shitty part. We haven't seen, not that they can't, but it's not looking good for that. No, not at all. Um, All right, so what's up next? Uh, let's see. So next one up, speaking of, uh, Cal and Oregon State. The Beavers, man, I just I underestimated the Beavers, Dave. This is this is one of the strangest games of the weekend. So Oregon State won at home uh, in overtime, 47-44. Really, they had this one in regulation, but Cal came storming back in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then they won in overtime. Um, so let's just talk about some strange, strange stat lines here. Okay. Davis Webb, who's looked like, you know, a better version of Jared Goff for much of this year, went 23 of 44 for 113 yards and a pick. He averaged 2.6 yards per pass attempt. He was dreadful in this game. <laughs> dreadful. Uh, Ryan Null for Oregon State. 14 carries. Just 14 carries. Not 40. 14. 14. For 221 yards. <laughs> he averaged nearly 16 yards a, a carry. What? <laughs> what happened in this game? Like, what happened? Um, Cal's, Cal's defense is still very bad. Yeah. Very bad rush defense. They uh, gave up nearly 500 yards on the ground, 50 carries for 474 yards, nine and a half per carry. Um, Oregon State only averaged 140 rushing yards coming into this game. I mean, that's how, that's how crazy that is. Yeah, Oregon State's offense was bad, the worst in the Pac-12 coming into this game, and they were able to put up that kind of number on on Cal. Um, Cal, for its part, ran the ball well, just couldn't, and this is so strange, couldn't get anything going through the air. 
um, which is a big part of why they lost this game. Um, Oregon State had this one pretty much in control. Um, I think in the fourth quarter it was uh, 41-24 Oregon State with about 10 minutes to go. And then Cal came storming back, um, and it got really fun at the end. But, um, yeah, kudos to Oregon State for pulling it out. Um, you know, being able to win this game in overtime, um, with, you know, that, that, that was, that was pretty cool to see. There, yeah. I mean, played great. Obviously they had a 12 game conference losing streak. So it was, and it was the first Pac 12 win for Gary Anderson. So hats off to him. I mean, they played so much better than they played the week before. And, you know, playing at home, I think, Helped a lot. The first half, I think they had like 16 first downs in the first half alone. Uh, Ryan Nall had some crazy, you know, 80 yard TD run. You expect some big runs when you're, you're averaging 16 yards a carry. And they didn't even punt Dave until the fourth quarter, 520 left in the fourth quarter. That's the first time, uh, they punted, which was, which was nuts. And then, you know, you're watching this game. Uh, I think it was early on. You're, I was, you know, cause I, this was another one that we picked differently. Uh, I, Figured Cal would be better, and I think I got that right, right? Yeah, we picked, uh, yeah, you picked OSU, I picked Cal, and Cal yeah. just blew it for me. Um, but watching the game early, I'm like, man, Cal just doesn't look like they're, they're getting it together. Um, and they had lost six straight games on the road, so maybe that was a bad omen. They, they haven't been able to win on the road, but they had a kickoff that they were kind of screwing around with early on, and, and you know, whoever number 99 was, he ended up returning it for like two yards to like the four or something. I'm like, that's that this does not look like a team that's got it together. And they, they played the rest of the game kind of like that. They just didn't have it together. Uh, you know, I was listening on the way home from the press box, the Cal, uh, I think it was one of the local LA stations had the game on. It was the Cal broadcast boot, you know, broadcast team. And they were like, this is the worst we've seen them look all year. Like they just don't look like they're together. So I don't know what happened with Sonny Dykes and this team, but they, they just came out like they didn't, you know, they just woke up and like, oh, we've got to play a football game. It, it did not look good. They started playing better at the end, but for most of this game, Dave, Cal did not look like the Cal we've seen in some of the other weeks. Yeah, I don't, I, I, you know, it's always the thing. You're playing against a team like Oregon State. Maybe you're not taking the game too seriously. So that certainly could have played into it as well. But yeah, they looked awful. I mean, awful. This is the worst I can remember a Sunny Dykes passing attack looking. Um, and their defense was. Considering the opponent, I think this is probably the worst the defense has played this year, too, and the defense hasn't been good. So um, for Cal's purposes, they just, you know, no one is good. We've we've reiterated, it, reiterated this a few times, and Cal, which looked like it might be trending towards okay, isn't good. No one's good. No one no. in the Pac-12 besides they, Washington. They were one of those teams that I just I just thought, wow, I mean, that they could put it together. Yeah, there'll be shootouts, they'll put up a lot of points, and they'll give up points, but I thought the offense was going to be a little bit better than their defense was bad, you know. Um, but yeah. they just looked awful on the road against a not good team. And maybe this is a, you know, for, for Gary Anderson, I mean, this is something you can, you needed to get a Pac 12 win, of course. Um, and he did that. And it's looking better to beat your rival Oregon. Um, I mean, so I think there's some, some opportunities here that, you wanted to take a step forward. Maybe it's not as big of a step, but it's it's going in the right direction at least if he can win one or two more Pac-12 games at, in uh, Corvallis. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, the next one we had up. This was on this one that'll be on FS1. Uh, Utah and Arizona, Dave. 
Yeah, so this was another really weird, interesting game because Arizona actually had a lead at halftime. Um, looked decent enough. Um, and then it was kind of like that Utah-San Jose State game where Utah suddenly was like, oh, wait, we're a lot better than this team. Poured it on in the second half, um, had a really, really big third quarter, um, 17, went 17 nothing. kind of took control of the game at that point. And then Arizona's, you know, I think Arizona might not be very good at all. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the thing we were thinking at the beginning of the year that we thought maybe they'll be a little bit better than ASU, but probably take a step back again. Uh, they might be worse than that. Um, Brandon Dawkins again looks beat up. He played in this one, but he didn't look right. Um, Khalil Tate came in, once again provided them a little bit of a spark. Um, but yeah, th- their quarterback situation is not good. Um, their defense is probably a little bit better than last year without Scooby Wright, but still not good by any stretch of the imagination. Um, yeah, this was a this was a, a nice win for Utah, but once again, Utah is. I mean, I think Armand Shine went down in this one, um, and he had to be, I think, helped off the field. Yeah, he's um, out for the year, I believe now. Yeah, they're. I think they're down to like their sixth string guy, though. It does sound like Joe Williams is coming back to the team now, which is such such a weird story. He's the guy who retired yeah. at the beginning of the year, um, but now he's most likely coming back to the team, and maybe he'll be available this weekend. But um, Utah's hurt. And they were still able to put up a 13-point win over Arizona, which kind of speaks to Arizona not being very good. Yeah, they're kind of beat up too. You know, 0 and 3 in the Pac-12. Um, they need to get a. They need to get off the snide, get some kind of win. And they had won their last four meetings against Utah. And like you said, it early on it looked pretty good. And I was looking at this like, man, I'm gonna you know lose another one because we had, uh, I think it was like a nine and a half point spread, and we both had picked. Utah on this one. So we were both good against the, the bottom dwellers of the Pac-12. We kind of knew the better teams were going to cover spreads against them, and they both did. Uh, Washington against Oregon, and then Utah against Arizona. But Brian Dawkins, he had the rib injury and a concussion, I think. So that's why you saw Khalil Tate. You're not sure what, I mean, they got like a few options coming into the, their week, their game against USC this week, but they're just beat up at quarterback. I thought the turnovers, Dave, they just, they kind of had like, you know, you, there's turnovers are never good, but they just seem to be like at the worst spots possible for Arizona. You know, it just, and I thought that run defense and, you know, granted Oregon's, I mean, uh, Utah's beat up, uh, you know, in the running game, but I thought the run defense played pretty well. The pass defense, not so much. Troy Williams had a pretty good day, you know, pretty good day. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, it's, it was a 33 to three run. That Utah, <laughs> you know, Arizona looked like they controlled this game. It was kind of like the Cal Oregon State game. Um, except in, in this scenario, the Cal, which is Utah, went on a crazy run, 33 to three, and uh, just kind of put it away at that point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was some big plays, especially in the second half for, um, uh, Troy Williams to, to start off the third quarter at a throw to Corey Butler Boyd that went for 69 yards. Um, they, they just, you know, they kind of took control of it in the second half. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a, for Arizona, like looking at it going forward, um, they've got USC this week, which we're going to preview. Then they have Stanford, which, yeah, I could maybe see them winning that game just because Stanford doesn't look very good. But then it's at Wazoo. That's going to be tough. 
Colorado at home, that's going to be tough. At Oregon State, not not a gimme. And then ASU uh, to close out the year. This might end up being pretty bad for Arizona. Like, I, they have two wins this year over Hawaii and Grambling State, and they've lost every other game they've played. I, I mean, is 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 three and nine in play here? It looks like it. I mean, but we've seen crazier things happen. You know, you get a cup. You maybe you can beat somebody at home. Could you beat Stanford at home? Can you beat Colorado at home? Um, this weekend, could you beat USC at home? I, I mean, we've seen some of the Pac-12 teams play a lot better at home. Um, it's certainly on the table, Dave, but you know, we'll see. We'll see if they're able to kind of bounce back and get some win. I, that's just what's been crazy about the Pac-12 is a team could look this bad one week and then, and play out of their minds next and, and beat a team that they probably shouldn't be beating. And so it's going to be about, can Rich Rod rally these guys and get them to believe? Um, there's no reason not to believe. I don't think anyone in the Pac-12 Almost any team can beat anybody. I, it just seems like anything could happen. So if you're a player, you're a coach in the Pac-12, you should be motivated. You're like, hey, all we got to do is play well, and we could probably win the game, you know? So they can, um, but I could see it, Dave, going where they don't win another one, and uh, that would be really disastrous. Are you second string for Utah at running back this week? <laughs> uh, what I lack in speed, I don't make up in power. <laughs> and my ball security skills are pretty bad, but yeah, I could, I could probably give it a shot. You know, they're five and one. <laughs> like, how did that? Uh, this team. All right, so they they lost their starting center this week. They've they've just been injured all across the defensive line, all over this team. They're five and one. Yeah, they're one game from away from bowl eligibility. I mean, they're, and I would say this is maybe like. And we're not even like really talking about them much. Anyway, we'll get it to it in the preview, but it's, it's, it's so interesting that they're five and one, but I think everyone's kind of still counting them out because of all these injuries. Crazy. Um, well, another team that's now five and one in our next game. This was, uh, so one of the three, uh, late games, ESPN two. This was, uh, Arizona State and, uh, UCLA. Yeah. So this one was, um, it was the worst half of football. The first half of this game was the worst half of football I've watched since UCLA beat Illinois six to three in uh, 2003. Um, the first half of this game was unwatchable. Um, just bad, bad, bad offensive football on both sides. Um, first half finished three to three. Um, both teams kind of came on in the second half, but this was, this was just a bad game. Um, ASU eventually won, 23-20, um, but nobody won who was watching this from home. Um, <laughs> we were all losers. Was, <laughs> we were all we were all losers, and I think it, it's the kind of game where it like makes you start having existential questions, like, why am I watching this sport? Like, why am I not hanging out with my children or just just you know reading a nice book? Like, why am I not doing these things? Because this is bad. This is not fun. Um, UCLA ran in this game for negative one yards. Wait, so uh, was that on one play, or is that that was total? Twenty-three carries for negative one yards. Oh, now, of wow. course, that includes many sacks, many, many sacks. Uh, but that was their run attack. Um, Arizona State ran for a whopping two point three yards per carry on thirty-four carries. So they clearly dominantly won that side of the uh, equation. Um, this was just a bad, bad game. Um, UCLA. <laughs> Josh Rosen and Mike Fiefel combined to throw three interceptions. Um, Arizona State, Brady White and Dylan Sterling Cole combined to throw two. 
Uh, UCLA knocked Brady White out of the game. ASU knocked Josh Rosen out of the game. Um, and so it was left in the hands of Dylan Sterling Cole and Mike Faithful to not screw up the game too badly. And Faithful was the one who screwed it up too badly. Um, yeah, this was, this was really disconcerting for UCLA fans because UCLA cannot run the ball. Um, Arizona State's rush defense was fine. Not great, but fine. Um, and UCLA could get nothing on the ground. Um, Rosen got hurt. Uh, he was limping all game. So he had some sort of hip or leg injury. And then at the end, it looked like he fell on his wrist funny, couldn't throw a football on the sideline. So there's a concern there that he might not be ready to go this week or potentially for a few games. So that's not good for the Bruins. But um, at 3-3, three and three, this season is uh, approaching a wash status anyway. Um, and for ASU, they won a game, but they're down to now depending on what Manny Wilkins' availability is going to be, they're down to a true freshman at, uh, quarterback because Brady White looked like he suffered a pretty serious uh, ankle injury. Yeah, uh, he's out for the season, I believe. So I think they announced that, that. yeah. Okay. And uh, so they're they're hurting quite a bit. Uh, neither of these teams came out of this game feeling very good. I can't imagine. It was funny. So definitely you got to follow Dave on Twitter. Um, he hasn't been tweeting much from the Pac-12 one. I got to get you doing that again. But I'm kind of doing most of the Pac-12 art. Like Pac-12 podcast, as, as has been the way of our people for some time. <laughs> but follow Dave on Twitter because he'll he'll definitely have some snarky tweets, especially during, well, during all the games, but UCLA for sure, um, yeah. the team he knows the best. But it was uh, when it was six to three. I think you tweeted something like, "I don't know if that's that another field goal. This would be insurmountable." Uh, it was funny <laughs> where it was like it looked like nobody would, there was just not going to score unless someone like got shot by a sniper and gave the ball up or something. But then they started scoring points. It was like, oh, well, there's offense again. But that was like in the last, you know, maybe in the fourth quarter or something. It wasn't like a lot of the game. So for most of the game, like you said, it was unwatchable because it just didn't look like anyone was going to be ever able to score. It was so bad. It was such bad football. I mean, just so bad across the board. Um, And these games like between ASU and UCLA, they've actually been kind of fun the last four years. Um, Pretty competitive back and forth. The road team had actually won the previous four matchups before this one when ASU held serve for once. Um, but no, I mean, neither of these teams could generate much. And it, I, I don't know what to make of either of these teams going forward. Um, ASU, I think, given their quarterback issues now, um, and they've got a tough remaining schedule. Um, they've got to go at Colorado. Then they get Washington State at home. Then they, get, then they have to go at Oregon which, whatever. Uh, but then they play Utah at home, and then at Washington, and they close at Arizona. So I think it, they'd be hard-pressed to go a similar 5-1 and one through the back half. I think 3-3 three and three seems pretty likely to me. UCLA, if... I mean, we're going to get into this during the preview, but just brief little preview of what we'll be previewing shortly. <laughs> if, they're, if they're down Josh Rosen, I mean, 4-8's in play. It's not... I mean... If you watched this offense without Josh Rosen, it's already not good. But without Josh Rosen, it is a fundamental disaster. Um, and they don't exactly have an easy schedule remaining. So it uh, should be very interesting. Um, and we will get to that in the preview section. Do we have another game to recap? Yeah, one thing, one quick thing. Where was Jerry Neuheisel? People, like, where, was he not, is he gone? Is it, He's in Japan. He's, he's in Japan playing professional football. For real? For real. 
Wow, that's awesome. Okay, actually, it's someone. I, I, I didn't know prior to that that there was a Jap- Japanese professional football league. I did not know that. Someone actually tweet. I think tweeted me and asked me, and I actually thought about that. I'm like, is Jerry Neuheisel still around? I don't know, but that would have been a prime spot for him. But obviously, not. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, uh, for Bruin fans though, 24 points or less given up on defense. So, you know, the four and eight the thing is good. The yeah. defense is good. The four and eight thing that. might be in play, but the defense I think can keep you in games if you just can figure out some, some yeah. stuff on offense. And I, the defense but, will keep you in games that you can agonizingly lose on a final possession. Jim Mora needs to suspend running backs again for no reason and not give them any explanation because when he was doing that, UCLA was oh, running he, the football. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Did I not tell you? He did that for this game as well. Oh, and it didn't work. Well, Crap. Oh, okay. the run from me was not there. And when asked about it after the game, Jim Morris said he was in Los Angeles, so he wasn't available to play. <laughs> okay, well, maybe. But because secrecy is of paramount importance. Um, well, I, that, that, my theory is blown. I just thought it just seemed like they were running the football better when there was random running backs not around. Uh, but no, yeah. I, I think this, this game blew that out of the water. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on. Okay, so the last game, this was another late one. on. This one was on ESPN. Uh, Washington State, and then number 15 ranked Stanford. Yeah, this, uh, Stanford's not, Stanford's bad. Stanford's just a bad team. Um, early results of the season, notwithstanding when they beat both USC and UCLA, they are not good. Uh, they lost 42 to 16 at home a week after losing 44 to 6 on the road at Washington. Um, and to the Washington school's credit, they both look pretty good. But as we've learned, as we will keep reiterating, nobody is good besides Washington. Yeah. Um, Stanford just, they can't run the ball. And when was the last time you were able to say that about a Stanford team? Christian McCaffrey once again looked very pedestrian behind an offensive line that can't run block and can't pass block. Um, Washington State on its side once again ran for over 100 yards, which is pretty impressive for Washington State. Um, and threw for a ton, 350 yards, but it was a, just a balanced offensive attack that, you know, combined with a really good defensive effort that held Stanford down. I mean, this was just an all purpose, you know, crushing of a previous, <laughs> previous Pac-12 power that is now, uh, clearly, uh, in a, in a lull here. Yeah. We both got this right. Uh, we took Washington State plus seven. And I think yeah. I, I said, I think Washington State's going to win the game outright. Um, so little, do I get extra credit for that, Dave? No. I think you should. You should okay. get some extra credit. Little, I'll get a little check mark, check plus instead of just a check. Um, Washington State hadn't beat a top 15 team since 2003, where they beat number five Texas in the Holiday Bowl, which I think I was actually at that game. Uh, I think a friend of mine worked for like Pacific Life and like invited me to come down. Cause they've sponsored the, uh, the holiday ball back then, but, um, I, Washington State just looked good in this game. It was, you know, early on, it looked like they were playing like the regular Stanford, but Stanford lined up doinking a couple of field goals. Like they weren't able to punch it in. And, uh, you know, Washington State was good. They, they converted on a fourth and seven. Uh, you know, they could have got a field goal. They're the only team. I don't know. Did they end up kicking one? They were the only team that never, that have not made a field goal yet in the FBS this year. So I don't think they kicked one, right? What was it? 42? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 42. I don't think they kicked one. No. So yeah. So they were like a fourth and seven. They could have kicked a field goal. Leach is like, nah, let's just, <laughs> let's just go. Wait, they, they, they missed a field goal. They went 0 of 1. 
So yeah, they, they missed to- one. Yeah, they missed one, but they haven't made one. I think I think Leach has just lost all confidence in the kicker. That at halftime, I, they asked him, and he just gave this like, I oh, man, I can't remember what he said, but you know about his field goal kicker and stuff. So they're not going to try field goals. They're just going to go for it all the time, and it, obviously it kind of works for them. Um, when they're running the ball, though, Dave, this is a team that's really hard to stop, and they've been running the football well the last couple of weeks. Um, it, I, he, after the game, Leach said that he loved the selection of music that the Stanford PA section, the PA system was playing because the stadium wasn't that loud. So he could hear the music and he liked that. So he's always taken his little jabs at stuff. He's great. I wish he could figure out the early season games because Washington State without losing to an FCS team early would be like a ranked team that you'll be talking about nationally it's hard to talk about them nationally when you lose those fcs schools early but this is a team dave that looks legit and if anyone in the north that's going to knock off washington it seems like it would be the kooks yeah the apple cup will be a real game this year um i think uh i think washington state's doing exactly what they did last year when they started off super slow and then suddenly looked like one of the better teams in the pac-12 by five, six games into the year, and that's pretty much what is happening right now. They just beat Oregon. Again, Oregon's not very good, and neither is Stanford, but beating them the way they're beating them is damned impressive. Um, well, what and, what happened with Stanford's offense, Dave? Because they went, so... The, the they equip- only scored nine points as an offense, in, or ten points as an offense, in, or no, it was nine, because uh, their one other touchdown was a uh, an interception return for a touchdown. Yeah, so th- I think it was... They were, it was like 12 or 13 quarters. The pass for the Stanford offense, they had scored two defensive touchdowns and only one offensive touchdown. I mean, it's bad what this offense is doing. They cannot get the ball into the end zone. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey gets banged up a little bit and he's been, he's been the Superman of the offense. If he's not around, I don't know what Stanford's going to do. This is, this, this looks like, the Stanford Northwestern game all over again last year, which we thought Stanford, this is what I thought Stanford was going to look like last year. I was completely wrong. I guess I was a year off. Yeah, it's, it's bad. I mean, they, um, they just can't run the ball. I mean, I think it's just the offensive line in general has taken just a major step back. Um, and that's been their biggest issue is they can't pass protect very well and they can't run the ball. And if you can't do either of those things, you're going to have a pretty bad offense. I mean, and that's what UCLA is learning as well. And I think they're very, Similar now, both those teams in terms of their offensive attacks. Two uh, doinked field goals. You don't see that very often. That was kind of funny. Um, doink, doink. doink. Uh, uh, and this, you know, and so I didn't realize this, but in the the Pac-12 media poll, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was the first time that Stanford was actually picked to win yeah. it all uh, in 56 years. So maybe it's the pressure, Dave. The expectations were high, and the uh, the uh, output has been low. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's still Stanford. It's still David Shaw. I mean, they can turn things around. But I think anyone here, I mean, like we said, everyone's bad. Any of these teams could make a run. Uh, you know, you could see Oregon. You could see Arizona. You could see Stanford. Like, these teams could turn things around. So, Absolutely. We'll see. Okay, so now we're going to do uh, our... Pac-12 Roundup. Our Pac-12 Roundup, and we're going to start from the bottom, uh, and now we're here. Is that right? Is that right? 
Is that what the that's kids right. are saying? That's what, that's what the kids are saying. <laughs> okay. Um, so first we're going to talk about, we have uh, Oregon at number 11. So we're going to go in reverse order, trying to reveal the best teams last. So there's three bye weeks this week. So um, the first bye week and the one that we're Oregon going to. Oregon Ducks. Oregon Ducks. So they're number 11. We have them number 11. Um, yeah, because ne- they're not good. Yeah. Next up, so we have an out-of-conference game. So this is our number nine team. Stanford Cardinals. Stanford uh, playing Notre Dame. Yeah, so this one's on at 4.30 p.m. on NBC. It opened as either a pick'em or I think it swung a little bit to Stanford to start, but now Notre Dame is favored by three. Um, both of these teams are bad. Um, Notre Dame lost to NC State in, I know I joked earlier that ASU-UCLA was unwatchable. That game was unwatchable. Um, neither team, because it was in a monsoon, Neither team could do anything offensively. Notre Dame scored, I think, three points. Um, it was bad, 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 bad. Um, so this is, I mean, Notre Dame's two and four. They're not very good. Uh, but Stanford's also not very good. Um, Stanford's offense isn't very good, and Stanford's defense is just okay. Notre Dame's offense is pretty good. Their defense is dreadful. If there's ever a defense that Stanford should be able to score on, it's this one. I'm just not convinced that Stanford's going to be able to score on anyone this year. I think their offensive line issues are just, they're systemic. They're going to cause them significant issues no matter who they're against. I'm taking Notre Dame to cover here at home. Interesting. Okay, so now this is a little strategy for me because I'm three games behind you, Dave, with the stupid Juju Smith-Schuster lie down in the inexplicable. You mean my excellent, excellent <laughs> picking of the Colorado-USC game. <laughs> Yes, uh, and the the inexplicable Mike McIntyre kick a field goal when you're down seven. It wasn't inexplicable. He knew he knew he knew what Vegas had this game at. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just gonna take I'm gonna take the I'm, I, this is the podcast of champions, Dave. I'm taking the Pac-12 team. I am not picking against Stanford and David Shaw. And it's not just because you picked Notre Dame, but it is. And so I'm gonna <laughs> take Stanford. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm selling. I'm selling hard on Stanford. They've looked so bad recently. They have, and it's this. This kind of hurts me to pick this one. But Notre Dame's looked bad too. My gut feeling though says Notre Dame kind of gets it right at home, and they're able to uh, to beat Stanford. But um, you know, you got a lot of smart guys up there. Maybe they're they're able to to right the ship and fix it. I I, I said these teams are all they're bad one week, good the next. I kind of get the feeling maybe Stanford can do it. You know, they can they can rally together. My gut says no, but my pick says go. Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> Is that good? That was great. I liked it. It okay. was 100% exactly what you should have said. <laughs> okay, so next up um, in this one, we have – so this is another buy. So number eight we have – California Golden Bears. <laughs> so Cal – yeah, Cal could have been ranked almost anywhere. Um, but, you know, disappointing loss last week. Uh, so we had to uh, move them down a scotch. Um, it doesn't even matter. Everything below like number five is a bad team. Yeah, just accept it, everyone. You yeah. know, it's we'll get into the top five, but everyone below that is just out and out bad. So Cal's number eight. They got to buy. They can kind of lick their wounds and see what they can do. Um, 
we have, this is our number five team, which could have been a little higher, but could have been lower too because of the teams they lost to. Number five we have Washington State Cougars. So the Cougs, and then they are taking on uh, our number seven team. Then this is kind of where UCLA has been kind of meddling around in the middle a lot. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I gave it away, but it's the UCLA Bruins. Five or seven, Washington State and UCLA, Dave. Yeah, so this is at 7.30 p.m., UCLA's third consecutive 7.30 p.m. start on ESPN in Pullman, uh, UCLA going at Washington State. Um, I've seen this line. It's not listed on ESPN.com, but I've seen this line as Washington State minus five. Uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, because no one knows whether Josh Rosen is going to play in this one. If he doesn't play, this feels much more like a minus 10, minus 14 type game for Washington State. Um, but I think Vegas is hedging a little bit at minus five. I have to take Wazoo. Um, I might even, I, I would probably be inclined to take them at minus five, even with Rosen. Um, I think Washington state is playing good football right now. Offensively, they're playing really well. Defensively, they've improved a little. Um, and UCLA is not playing good offensive football at all. I'm not convinced of their ability to run on anyone because the last two teams they've played, Arizona and Arizona state, um, haven't had good defenses and UCLA still hasn't been able to generate, you know, much consistently on the ground against either team. Um, and Washington State's no great shakes defensively. But again, I think UCLA, as with Stanford, I think their issues are systemic. I don't know that they're going to suddenly right the ship just because a team is, you know, maybe a little bit weak defensively. I think this might be a rain game. Um, there's a chance of that, at least at this point. So, you know, any forecast can be a little bit off, but I don't know who that plays in favor of, but. I, I like Washington State to cover the five, and honestly, even if you gave it to me as you know Washington State minus seven or eight, I'd probably still take the Cougs. I'm going to agree with you on this one. I, it's just hard with the the uncertain status of, of Josh Rhodes, and even if he can play, um, we saw him just kind of struggling towards the end of the game. Um, I, I obviously you love the way the Washington State offense is playing right now because they they can run the football too, but that's what UCLA strength is. They can stop the run, and they're they're good on defense and. That's what you got to watch in this game. If you don't watch, uh, you know, UCLA on offense and Washington State on defense, just turn it like flip channels. But then once, uh, you know, the, the Washington State offense takes over and the UCLA defense, that's going to be fun. Like, I think that'll be yeah. a really interesting. Is that matchup? Who's in favor in that side? I'm not sure. Well, for, for me, it's even. But the thing is, I think UCLA needs to definitively win that side of the ball to win this game. Yeah. Um, I think Washington State can play that side even because I don't think UCLA's offense is going to be able to do much. Um, and so it's really incumbent on the UCLA defense to dominate Washington State's offense. And I don't know that it's capable of doing that. I think it can limit it, but I don't think they're going to win that side of the ball definitively. And I think that's what's going to limit them because I don't think UCLA is going to score much at all. Um, so even if you limit Washington State to whatever, 24, 27 points, do you see a Rosenless or a Rosen hobbled UCLA offense generating more than 17 on their side? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, but you know, it's not like the Washington state defense is great, but they've, they've, they're trending up. UCLA's trending down. Five points seems kind of reasonable, especially at home. You get, you know, three points for just being there. What's the, uh, what's UCLA's record been against Washington state, you know, last five, six games? Has it been lopsided? Well, it doesn't really, I mean, they've, they've only had Washington State on the schedule last year where Washington State won, beat UCLA at home 30 to 28. And then 
they took two two years off, and then it was 2012 where UCLA beat them. I think it was 50 to 42 or something like that um, on the road up in Pullman. So, you know, back and forth in the Moore era. All right. Well, this, with the uncertainty of quarterback, we'll both take uh, Washington State in this one at the plus five, um, and we'll see. But yeah, I, I do want to watch because I think it'll be fun to see that offense, which. I mean, it just, it looks so much different than what they did in the first couple of weeks. Um, all right. So that one, let's see. We'll move on to the next one. We're getting close to the top. Uh, our number four team we have Colorado Buffaloes. Love that buff stampede sound. And we have, uh, our number six team Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> ASU, sixth ranked team, even though they're five and one, but, um, there's more to that. But here, Colorado ASU, Dave. So this is a rare 5 p.m. kick on the Pac 12 network. Um, Arizona State going at Colorado in Boulder. This opened, I want to say it was Colorado minus seven or eight, and it's since gone to Colorado minus 13 and a half, um, which I think is probably a product of the announcement about Brady White and, uh, uncertainty about ASU's quarterback situation. Um, interesting game. I think Colorado was outclassed a little bit athletically against USC, but I don't know that they're going to have the same issue against ASU. I think it's much more similar talent levels. Um, and I think given ASU's quarterback troubles, I wouldn't want to be starting either a hobbled Manny Wilkins or um, a true freshman against Colorado's really good cornerbacks. Um, I think that could be a tough matchup for a Dylan Sterling Cole or if Wilkins is back for this one. Um, and I think Colorado's offense can definitely generate some things through the air against a really bad ASU secondary. Um, I think their run defense is okay. I think they'll be able to kind of shut down Colorado's running game to an extent. But Steven Montez or Cepho Lufau should be able to generate some things through the air. Um, 13 and a half is a lot of points, though. I would probably take ASU just because 13 and a half is so much. Um, but I like Colorado to win this one by 10. Oh, interesting, Dave. So I was, I was kind of going back and forth. This was close enough for me that I was just going to go opposite of what you do. Um, which I don't know <laughs> if that's fair because you're picking first. So it kind of gives me advantage, but whatever. Does uh, it? Because I think I went five and one last week and you went three and three. No, it's true. No, I'm saying it's giving me an advantage just to, if I need to pick different than you, like if I oh, was picking first. Right. I guess right. I could always switch at the end, but, um, I think Manny Wilkins is going to play in this one. Uh, I get the feeling he will, but him being able to generate offense with, you know, running and passing, I, I don't know if he's going to be as effective as we saw him earlier. And, you know, Arizona State's, won some ugly games, but they've been winning. You know, they're, they're winning those games. It is a lot of points. Um, and I think Colorado, like you said, just athletically didn't match up with USC. They should match up better, uh, with Arizona State. I, I, it's a tough one. It's a tough line. I think it could go either way. I, when I've been taking the, you know, someone's favored by 13 and a half last, last two weeks ago, I was taking all those points. And they would lose by 30. It didn't matter. At home, Colorado, I think we've seen the Pac-12 teams at home just play better. I'm going to take Colorado in this one, Dave. And uh, I got to see both of these teams in person, you know, back-to-back weeks. They played USC in the Coliseum. Um, Colorado looked better than, than Arizona State. Arizona State just looked so bad 
against USC. Um, and they look, you know, better against UCLA playing at home. This one's on the road. So I'm going to, I'm going to take Colorado on this one, Dave, and lay the 13 and a half. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, and I, I realized that I'm picking, uh, a, a, one of the, a team that, again, just played one of the worst games I've ever seen, um, to <laughs> cover a 13 and a half, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Colorado by 10. Colorado by 10. Okay. So, uh, that was the number four and number six teams. Uh, our number three team, who coincidentally was number 12 uh, two weeks ago. USC Trojans. Yeah, USC is up to number three. That doesn't make any sense, but that's where we are. Uh, Again, the- everyone's bad. This is, this is just we're, we're reordering, reshuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> and our uh, number 12 team. It's not Oregon State. It's not Colorado. It is Arizona Wildcats. The Wildcats of Arizona. I think the first time they've ever been in the basement at number 12 for the podcast of champions power rankings. So this will be the, uh, I think it's the first game on on Saturday for Pac-12 teams. It's on at 12.30 p.m. on Big Fox, uh, 3-3 and USC going at 2-4 and Arizona. If you're just looking at the records, you're like, oh, could be an even game. Could be, you know, back and forth affair. I, I really doubt it. Um, I think USC is not necessarily firing on all cylinders right now because, again, they should have scored a lot more points against Colorado than they did. But it does feel like a team that's on the cusp of just having an offensive explosion. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, aside from, again, two fumbles and a pick, um, he's playing really, really well. Uh, pretty accurate thrower, uh, making plays happen with his legs. Looks poised, um, again, despite tooth fumbles and interception last game. Uh, Arizona's quarterback situation, on the other hand, is not good. Uh, Brandon Dawkins is beat up. Uh, Khalil Tate's a true freshman. Um, and their, you know, offense just hasn't looked in sync recently. Um, USC's favored by eight. And I, I think I, I think they could win this one by three touchdowns. That's, that's my take on it. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm buying what you're selling, Dave. Uh, you know, seeing USC, when I, when I looked at the game last week and even though Colorado was ranked and you just know sometimes all those four and five star guys that USC recruits matter and sometimes they don't. And I think early on they weren't mattering. Now that you have Sam Darnold in there and he's just making stuff happen, he kind of allows some of those other athletes that maybe they're not getting coached up all that well to at least do what they should be doing. And, uh, He's just able to do that. And I think it's, it's changed the, the whole fortunes of this team. Um, not that there's some great offensive scheme. It's more about this guy's pretty dynamic and just let him go back there and make plays and, um, you know, run the ball. And they're doing so many of these run pass options. Um, I think they're running the offense that when they had Max Brown in there, they were having him try to run the same offense and it just wasn't fitting his strengths. This offense does fit. His strengths and you can watch, you know, you watch the replays and these guys, the offensive lineman will be firing off like it's a run play and he's throwing a quick pass to the outside because it's an option and he looks at it and he sees something open. He's, he's really good at those. So he's, he's good at kind of seeing where the, you know, um, deficiencies in the defense are and he'll, you know, either keep the ball or hand it off or throw the quick pass and he's making the offense move. They're, they're putting up a lot of yards and I talked to Tyson Helton, the quarterback coach yesterday about it and he's like, Obviously, you know, this game is about points and not yards. We just have to, if you eliminate the turnovers, you're going to put up a lot more points. 
I kind of think they'll do that, Dave, this weekend against Arizona, put up like the, you know, 500 something yards, but not have as many turnovers and, and, you know, and, and put up a lot of points there. Um, I kind of think Arizona is going to play pretty well. Um, I don't know if the line was 10 or, or 13 or something, what I would do, but I think with eight, uh, I, I think I'm going to take USC and, uh, lay the points. Yeah. And so looking at USC's future schedule, so Arizona, probably a win. It suddenly softened a little bit because Cal and Oregon both don't look great. Um, so they go Arizona, Cal, Oregon three in a row. And I could, I could pretty easily see them going three and oh through that stretch. And then suddenly they're six and three heading into a, a, you know, matchup at Washington, which I still think they lose. And then at UCLA and Notre Dame down to the year, depending on Rosen's health, um, UCLA is very winnable and so is Notre Dame. I mean, could they finish five and one? It's, uh, that, that's in play. It is. Um, and we, you actually asked me to break down the schedule, uh, last week. Um, yeah, and I, it was I, a different thing. It was different. And I thought, like, I definitely thought UCLA was going to beat Arizona State. Um, and, you know, didn't yeah. think Josh Rosen would be banged up. Um, I thought that was a loss for them. Now it's, you know, it's not looking that way. Um, it's, uh, it, five and one's in play after a one and three start. Um, if they could turn things around and only lose one more game the rest of the way and go eight and four, I mean, people talk about, well, it's possible, but the way the rest of the Pac 12 is playing, um, that's certainly a possibility. And I think, you know, they need to keep Sam Darnold healthy because I think he's the key to the whole thing. If it's not like they've got this, they've got athletes, but it's not like they have this, this amazing scheme that, that you could replace him and, and it'll work. It's basically the offense is working because of him. Now they got Justin Davis is hurt. Um, he's been their bell cow running back, but I think, you know, they got other guys, you know, Ronald Jones has been kind of slow to start this year. He should be able to go. Um, but, to me, if, if Sandor stays healthy, I think five and one is in play, but it, they need him to stay healthy. That's the only way. Right. All right. All right. Uh, so we got one more game to preview. This is our, uh, number two team. Utah Utes. The Utes of Utah shooting that arrow. And then we have, uh, our number, no, the number 10. Not too bad. Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> The Beavs who chopped down Cal last weekend. So two versus 10, uh, Utah and Oregon State. So this one's going to be fairly concurrent with USC Arizona on at 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, number 21, Utah, 5-1, and one, going at Oregon State. So this was an interesting line because I think it opened at Utah minus 13.5 or minus 14, and then it's dropped to Utah minus 9. Um, I think that's a lot of people uh, maybe concerned about Utah's health. Um, and maybe impressed by Oregon State's win over Cal last week, um, especially with the way they were able to run the ball. And Utah's defense, not at the level it's been in years past. Um, this Utah team in general is not at the level of Utah teams of years past. And with all their injuries on offense and on defense and kind of across the board, minus nine on the road seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing this, uh, and you'll hear it in my voice, but for the second week in a row, I'm taking Oregon State at home. Ooh, dude, you put me in a tough spot, Dave. Um, I like the way Oregon State was playing. Now, Ryan Nall was in a boot this week, so he might not be able to play. He okay. Might, he might be banged up a little bit. Okay. He, I think he could play. Um, right. 
And I, I don't know if you knew this, but he averaged 16 something a carry last week, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> oh man. Um, another rain game, very possible rain on, uh, on Saturday. It is. I, I think when you like, uh, saw Kyle Whittingham in the post game, uh, or a friend, uh, Bruce Feldman did the, uh, he was a sideline guy for, for the game. And it was funny. I, we didn't get to mention this. The week, be, like when USC lost to Utah, they had five false starts in the first half at, on the road. And they accused, uh, one of the Utah defensive players of verbally simulating like the snap count and making guys jump. And then they, they switched in the second half to like a silent thing to, to get rid of that. Um, and it went away. And it's funny. Kyle Whittingham last week, said the same thing. I think they had four or five false starts in the first half as well. And was saying that, you know, accused Rich Rod in Arizona of doing the same thing. And he went off to Bruce Feldman, uh, after the game, kind of complaining about that. He's a fiery guy, Dave. He seems yeah. kind of pissed off, uh, at, even at the win against Arizona. So I'm going to take Utah on this one. A really pissed off Kyle Winningham for some reason goes on the road and they take care of business. You're taking it based on the anger of the head coach, the anger level of the head coach. If the anger level of the head coach was the most important thing, wouldn't UCLA win a lot more? They would, you like, know, they would win. Um, yeah. Who's like, I think we went over this before. Like, Whittingham is probably like the baddest ass coach, right? Like, if you had to fight like a cage match, he would probably beat just about everybody. Yeah. I think Whittingham would probably crush everyone. Um, I think Mora would be up there though, right? Like Mora's has- up there. Mora's super fit too. And he's got a little crazy to him. So yeah. that I think Whittingham him. like probably has like a black belt or something. Like there's, I just remember something like Whittingham, like there's the stuff that he's done. It's like, okay, like he's number one. Yeah. And Shaw's a smart big dude. So I could see Shaw, you know, like doing some crazy stuff like he just steps at like the right angle and you know hits you just right and then you just collapse <laughs> and die um i can see that happening um uh, helfrich isn't fighting anybody no um, like a target cashier uh, <laughs> well, uh well, clay, clay helton i don't think clay helton's winning too many fights in his life no uh, sunny dykes probably not so much no I could see McIntyre now that he's lost some weight. I could see him doing the job. He could. I think Rich Rod could like wrestle with you a little bit, you know. Rich Rod, yeah, Rich Rod's got a little, little, little country fight to him. Um, I could see that. Todd Graham, maybe a little. Um, what do you think about Gary Anderson? I don't know about Gary Anderson. Yeah, I don't know I, either. I, I don't, I don't feel like that one's, you know, I don't think there's a lot of great fighters in the Pac-12 coaching ranks. No. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to fight Mike Leach, even though he's looks kind of, you know, not like he's a great fighter, just because he's got that crazy to him. And he you does. never want to fight crazy. No. So. All right. Well, okay. So those are all the games, but we didn't reveal our number one team. And there, there was a lot of, you know, debate over who this should be. We weren't sure going back and forth, but in the end, we decided it would be Washington Huskies. <laughs> woof, woof. Uh, yeah, no debate, obviously. It is the, it is the Huskies plus 11. Like there's, there's just no other question about it. The question's going to be, can someone or more than one team knock Washington off and make, essentially make the Pac-12 irrelevant going forward? Because that's the, that's what we're facing, Dave. If it's not Washington, no one's going to talk about the Pac-12 anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's, there's not an obvious loss left on the schedule for Washington. Um, they've got 
Oregon State in two weeks, they'll beat them. Uh, they go at Utah, a beat up Utah team, but that that could be weird. Going at Utah's tough, so and then at Cal, that I, I I don't see them losing that game, but anything crazy is possible. USC at home or Washington State on the road strikes me as their two really toughest games remaining, yeah. and each of those I think is eminently winnable for the Huskies. I don't right now I don't see them losing. I think they would probably be favored. I mean, I would probably have them, like, right now, so I'd probably have them, like, 99% favored over Oregon State, probably 70-30 over Utah, 70-30 over Cal. I don't know, 65-35 over USC at home, 70-30 over USC at home, something like that. Yeah. ASU at home, probably 80-20. And then at Wazoo, that might be the toughest one, and I'd have them at 60-40 yeah. on the road. So um, that probably accounts to about... Uh, amounts to about one loss so maybe an aggregate you could see a loss yeah. there but in any one of those particular games i'm not seeing it i do agree i think usc or washington state probably washington state more um the way just i mean i obviously cover usc i kind of know this team and i just saw it coming into colorado the way they're playing they're going to be in the mode where they'll beat the teams they should probably beat maybe lose to one that they should have beaten um like you saw the utah game when they they you know had that game one and they end up losing it at the end but I don't think this is going to be the team that beats teams that they shouldn't beat. So right. probably be a sound loss to my guess to to Washington on the road. But the Washington State game, uh, when Washington goes to you know to Corvallis, I mean to Corvallis, excuse me, ugh, to Pullman, go to the Coug, great bar there. Uh, goes to Pullman. Uh, that could be a lot more fun. Is that game going to be in Pullman or are they playing it somewhere else? Maybe I'm wrong on that. I think it's in Pullman. Okay. Um, let me look. They play that. They, they do that sometimes. Like, yeah, they do that sometimes in Seattle, don't they? Yeah, which kind of sucks if you're Washington State. I think but. they don't they usually do that for this for the Washington home game version. Like they'll bump it to Seattle. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, I think this one's at Wazoo. Game time's already set for twelve thirty on uh, November twenty fifth. Yeah, it's uh, so basically, if you're a Pac twelve fan and you want to see the Pac twelve in the playoff, you're you know. Put your dog ears on and, uh, you know, your tail and start wagging and, uh, root, 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 root for the dogs because, uh, that's the Pac 12's only shot. I, I, I was kind of optimistic, Dave, that this would be a year where there could be, uh, two teams and maybe they were both from the north, maybe not, you know, one from the south, but two teams that were kind of in the national discussion, but it's just everyone just beat each other up and, or you lost to FCS teams early on and now it's just, it's just weird, you know? Yeah, no, because Washington State, um, if they hadn't lost to Eastern Washington, they would be the other team because for their purposes, uh, UCLA at home, very winnable. At ASU, very winnable. At Oregon State, very winnable. Arizona at home, very winnable. Cal at home, very winnable. I mean, if they hadn't lost to Eastern Washington, that would be 9-1 and one going into at Colorado and versus Washington at home. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right, well. I guess we should wrap it up, Dave. Hey, we went an hour and uh, 10 minutes this week. We kind of, yeah, well, I don't think we were like on a time crunch. Like sometimes we normally are, you know, it's true. Doing this, true. doing this on a holiday day <laughs> on, on Yom Kippur. Yeah. Happy Yom Kippur, everybody. Um, yeah. I don't know much about it. I'm not going to lie, but Hey, you know, yeah, um, I think we were supposed to say something in Yiddish. I think, uh, I think saying happy Yom Kippur is, uh, I don't know. I hope that I, wasn't disrespectful. I don't know if that's what, I don't know if that's what's said. 
Yeah. We're not uh, trying to be disrespectful and we apologize if that was, uh, but it is Yom Kippur. So enjoy that. If you, if you celebrate that, uh, if not, you just got to celebrate an hour and 10 minutes of the podcast of champions. That's a pretty good day. That's a pretty good day. That's a great way to spend any day, <laughs> any day at all. <laughs> cool. We got it a little earlier this week. And, uh, so you get, you get time to absorb what happened in uh, week six and look forward to week seven, which should be an interesting week. It's a short week in the pack 12, only five games, uh, but hopefully you guys had fun, but that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. We are the podcast of champions. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next time.